Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Faithful. My name is Emma. My name is Christina. Uh, and today uh, is Christina's big episode. Um, and so I'm here introing it. But, like, how have you been, Christina? Uh, a little bit stressed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my... My my job has recently decided to put uh to put a few of my coworkers and I back on overtime, which is mm. stressful. Yeah, you hate and to see of, it. Of course, you know the uh, the world is pretty crazy nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. Here, let's go ahead and do a quick PSA. Uh, if you live in an area that might be affected by uh, coronavirus, aka COVID nineteen, uh, please. Do yourself and everyone around you a favor and just take care of yourself, please. Please, 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 for the love of God, wash your hands. Um, mm-hmm. If you'd like, if you would like a cool, uh, a cool hand washing song and an infographic to show you how to most efficiently wash your hands, I can recommend the one by Lucy Nicely, K-N-I-S-L-E-Y. It's very cute. Uh, and is suitable for small children, so that's always helpful. But yeah, please please wash your hands. Uh, please take care of each other. Be especially careful around, you know, the immunocompromised and the elderly mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff. And if, if you feel yourself getting sick, take care of yourself. Take, off, take time off work, uh, especially if you can. And, you know, get, get sleep and everything and wash up because uh, that's the way to best help everyone. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, soapbox over. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Staying on topic though, with just uh, talking about what we've been doing recently. Um, I'm on spring break at the moment, at the time of recording, but uh, my school, uh, like many universities, decided to go online, and nobody really knows what's going on. So, uh, hopefully, I can get back up. I'm not recording on my normal microphone. You might be able to tell. Um. But I would like to go get my microphone and more clothes. And your Animal Crossing. <laughs> yes, my Animal Crossing. I ordered it to the I ordered it to Big Rapids. I'm not I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not driving I uh, listen, I love Animal Crossing. I'm not driving four hours to pick it up from that local GameStop. No, I I do not blame you, Emma. <laughs> So hey, uh, also because Emma works on works on her campus. Uh, if you ever feel like uh, being really kind and generous, uh, you should maybe consider uh, heading over to maybe commission Emma for something, or just uh, do you have a Kofi? I do have a Kofi. Or maybe just like dropping some change in Emma's Kofi because uh, it sounds like <laughs> uh, a lot of higher institutions of education at this point are maybe not prioritizing paying their workers, students or otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my university did say that they were going to assist people, but it's unclear on um, what you have to like do to qualify for needing assistance. Um, because you know, work student workers can't go back on campus and like continue to work. Um, so I I appreciate that, Christina, a lot. Um, if hey, no you problem. if you do feel inclined, uh, it's I think my username on Kofi is uh, of hauntings. So. Don't feel pressured to do that, though. I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm ready whenever, uh, if if we're done with, like, the intro part. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, uh, what are you here to talk about with us today, Christina? I'm excited. Okay, so, uh, today we are going to talk about liturgical music, which, in this context, I'm using to refer to as 
music uh, that is written for performance as a religious rite of worship. Um, the definition of which uh, comes from Britannica. Awesome. Honestly, like this topic just popped into my head after we decided to do a recording this week. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I was like, what if I just talk about liturgical music? <laughs> so here we are. I think I can speak for at least some of the audience in saying that I have absolutely no prior background with liturgical music. Okay. What, so I, uh, yeah. do you have any, you, you, you said, you said like, no, does that mean absolute desert zero? Uh, like if I've encountered it, I've never called it by that name. Okay. Do, uh, do you use with, with the various, I know you've kind of like gone around to a couple different kinds of churches, um, mm -hmm. over the past, let's just say like the last like four or five years or something like, sure. Is do you use music in uh, in your services at all? Yes, yeah. So yeah, our like worship sessions at the beginning of the service usually. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That's what I thought it probably was. Mm -hmm. Just like the songs that you sing to worship God. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. In uh, coming again, coming from the uh, from the Catholic background here, a lot of the music that I was personally like referring to when I was uh, taking my notes and stuff is is music that was specifically composed or arranged or whatever to be used uh, during a religious service, in this case, a mass. But mm -hmm. um, it, it may surprise you, dear listeners, to learn that, uh, or it may not surprise you, to learn that music has been a part of religious practices for pretty much as long as humans have had religious practices and music. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I I think I saw, I was trying to look up some research beforehand, and I think the, uh, I saw an article from, I think it was from actually the Yale Journal of Music and Religion, because there is one of those at Yale. I saw something... I saw a quote before I hit the paywall that said something to the effect of music. Uh, music is a is used in religion because they both help us to transcend our existence. Oh wow! And I was like, that is uh, that is maybe a little bit more highfalutin that I'd intended to start the episode off with, but I wanted to share that before <laughs> I forgot. No, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. And for a slightly more uh, relevant piece. Um, you y'all have probably heard uh hallelujah by leonard cohen mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> from which we get the uh from which we get the extremely uh the extremely common quote i heard there was a secret chord that david played and it pleased the lord <laughs> and of course that that song is mostly about uh mostly about you know a a romantic relationship but it does involve biblical motifs so i figured i could quote it here <laughs> sure yeah Okay, so if uh, if you are okay with that, we can jump into my my cliff notes of uh, a history of music as used in Christianity for religious services. I'm down. Let's go with it. Let's do okay, it. Okay, cool. So, uh, as far as Christianity goes, music began to be used in services uh, pretty much as an adoption from uh from Jewish synagogues and Jewish services because mm -hmm. Christianity uh arose out of Judaism. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that makes sense. 
So in in Jewish synagogues, and we will be coming back to uh, to the Jewish musical traditions because I was able to find some good information on that. In Jewish synagogues, a lot of the times the music was uh, incorporated into the service through a cantor. Um, in this case, uh, cantor means the means an individual singer who is uh, in charge of leading the congregation in song, whether that's through something that the congregation participates in or whether they just listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, in Jewish synagogues, a lot of the time the cantor uh, had to perform musical pieces but they would improvise the melody a lot of the time. No. Which I think is really neat because uh, hopefully it always, you know, good music and not, you know, oh, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just sing these notes and hope my voice doesn't crack. (laughs) Also, I'm, I'm coming at this from a choral, from a heavy choral background. So I will be explaining as much as I can. And if I don't explain something, please ask me and I will. Okay, absolutely. Okay, so once Christianity uh, began to organize itself as a religion, um, they incorporated a lot of Jewish practices. Um, When it comes to music, uh, early Christians adopted uh, the cantor practice by having a, 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 usually having some kind of a simple refrain that a cantor would sing. Um, and it was usually something that in Catholicism is called a responsorial, um, which is where the cantor of the congregation will sing one line or phrase of text, usually taken from an existing psalm or hymn. And it's usually really mm-hmm. short. It's like, like I said, one line or one phrase, four to six measures. And it's usually in four, four time nowadays, because a lot of people don't necessarily understand what it means when you say you're singing something in six eight (laughs) (laughs) those are time signatures (laughs) um eventually uh the the kind of the the cantor response uh tradition carried through uh pretty much up until like the medieval times so we're talking like probably the early 700s here at which point uh, it kind of started to evolve into more chant music. Like, if you ever have heard or heard of Gregorian chants, that's when this yes. kind of music becomes really popular in Christian services. Gotcha. I remember uh, a lot of kids who were in, like, the honors, like, music theory class getting really into Gregorian chants mm-hmm. all at once in high school. Yeah, it, uh, they are really interesting from, like, a technolog, from, like, a, not a technological, from, like, a, from a theoretical perspective, because, yeah. uh, once, like, once composers were enlisted to, like, start actually composing, like, chants for the Christian church, some of them were like, oh, hey, now we can actually get creative with the music that we're singing in church. Yeah. This ex- this kind of then continued into like the 900s, so I guess technically the 10th century, um, when a lot of hymns started to be written by various uh, by various Christian musicians, and probably also some you know non Christian musicians who just wanted to make money off the church, which is legit. <laughs> respect the grift. Yeah, well, re- re- respect <laughs> people wanting to make wanting to make a living off of music. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily call that a grift. Um, they uh, 
at this I think it was at this point when uh like the hymns were still pretty, you know, pretty simple, pretty standard. Um when when hymns became popular across Europe, uh some Christian churches, but especially the Church of England, would do a practice called lining out the songs. Okay. Which is where the pastor, not a not a cantor, the pastor, <laughs> sings one line of a song at a time and then the congregation repeats it. Ah. And then you would do this through the entire song. <laughs> so Oof, that so, sounds uh Yeah. Not fun. No. Voices. I I bet it wasn't, um, especially if the pastor didn't have a good singing voice or a good concept of pitch. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, it reminds me of like uh learning songs at like summer camp mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like okay everyone now we're gonna sing the the brownie smile song so repeat after me <laughs> twang see and those songs are are funny so it's a little bit more fun <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i found a fun fact on wikipedia which was um in the early Christian church, and by early here I'm saying, like, any time before, like, the 1800s, mm-hmm. uh, in the Christian church, uh, when it was still, like, in, like, the post-medieval era, um, people in churches, like, religious music was not allowed to be in polyphony, or polyphony, how do you pronounce it? I don't know what that is. Okay, um, it's essentially harmony, uh, like... Do, it's pretty much just like any kind of music that isn't just one using only one melody line or extremely oh. simple chords and like one chord at a time. Right. But in the Christian church at the time, you couldn't do any, you couldn't use anything but the most simple of melodies, the most basic of chords that you were singing one at a time mm. and not overlapping. You couldn't do right. that unless it was a major feast day, like Christmas or Easter. Ah, uh, is it because people would sound so bad that it was uh, offensive? I, I, I wonder if it was maybe like a, I wonder if it was either a, we're restricting this to a special honor because we need to honor a special day or i wonder if it was also um we don't know we don't know quite how to do this yet so we're saving it for the special times we have time to improve ah no that does make sense either way wikipedia didn't have the reason so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so by the by the 1300s um like individuals outside of or unassociated with a particular Christian church had actually like begun to make their own liturgical music. And hey, uh, did you know that you can use more than one chord at the same time if it isn't a holiday or a feast day? What? That's crazy. I know, right? <laughs> um, I also have a note here that I wrote last night as the French got funky and applied rhythmic repetition to religious music. Oh, wow. Getting spicy now. I think that was in the sense of like, like establishing a basic rhythm or a pattern of like rhythmic notes, and then you know bringing it back, and not just we're going to be singing this song at the same tempo for five minutes or however long it takes. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, so when, once we got to the Baroque period, um, you know, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast quote. (laughs) (laughs) 
so w- once the Baroque period began, um, a lot of musicians got really creative in like experimenting with musical contrast. Like, oh, hey, we can, <laughs> did you know that you can have musical contrast by uh, having someone be singing, but then also maybe have a trumpet be played to contrast the soft voices? Well, on God. I I should clarify here that this, like all of this, I'm sure that, look, humans have been inventing and creating music of all different all different meters, all different difficulties, all kinds of te- all kinds of like technical skill for a very long time. It's just that it took this long for it to get into uh, traditional Christian church music. <laughs> make make of that what you will. <laughs> um but yeah, this this period of like new invention and experimentation in music um includes the work of one Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Oh, I love him. Yeah, uh, he was actually, like, it sounds like he was actually pretty instrumental in, you know, um, making church music not be boring. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Also, during this time, uh, the chorale was invented. Um, Oh, I love that. Yeah, like, for for context here, like, a chorale is pretty much... um, a group of singers, usually divided into the four vocal parts, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass, um, mostly singing in unison. Um, sometimes there's, like, harmonies and stuff where they'll have, you know, like a, oh, hey, there's a little descant part in here. Um, but that was actually invented during the Baroque period. Awesome. If you haven't heard a chorale before, but you're familiar with Wicked... Uh, Dear Old Shiz is an example of a chorale piece. Yeah. Yeah, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. Um, So at that point, people just realized that they could uh, write entire, like, liturgical settings. So, like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna compose the music for an entire kind of mass, an entire kind of church service. Um, and presumably some of them were being paid by the various, uh, churches to do so. Sure. Um, one example of that is, uh, a Joseph Haydn, or Hayden, maybe. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's been a very <laughs> long time since I actually, like, sung anything in a, in a choral setting. <laughs> um, people, uh, like, musicians and composers have continued to, like, write different musical settings for religious services, but they've become, uh, pretty rare in recent years. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's probably because, um, a lot of, at this point, at least in the Catholic Church, a lot of people are very accustomed to the music that is currently used in various mm. settings because you sure. know they've been hearing it for pretty much their entire life no yeah that makes sense <laughs> why stop now uh and actually like in you know like early days uh churches were pretty strict about what kind of music they would allow to be used at masses and services mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but at least when it comes to the catholic church they're generally pretty chill about what what specific kind of music is used. Um, right. I have actually here a nice little quote uh, from that was said or uh, publicized after Vatican II, which is the second Vatican Council where all the important Catholics met up and made a lot of decisions about the way that the Catholic Church functioned and looked and sounded. <laughs> and I think that was in the 70s. 
obviously I wasn't around for it. <laughs> um, but the quote, the quote that I pulled from here is, Whenever the sacred action is to be celebrated with song, the whole body of the faithful may be able to contribute that active participation which is rightly theirs. So, so basically, like, if you're going to include music, make sure that that's something that everyone can at least follow along with, if not necessarily, mm -hmm. if, like, so that everyone can follow along with it, or if they want to, they can sing along, or if they really want to, they can actually get involved with, like, the, the production of the music for the service. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was a lot of information dumping. How are you feeling? I'm Any feeling questions good. that I can answer? Um, not really. I think I, I can already see parallels to um, the kind of uh, uh, liturgical music that uh, my church does. Mm -hmm. Um, in you know that it's it's fairly simple uh, and it tries to be as easy to follow along as possible which makes a lot of sense there's a great video on youtube it's pretty old at this point but it's still one mm -hmm. of my favorites it's like it's by um a christian youtube channel called uh blimey cow i don't know if you've ever heard of them i haven't there you would probably like some of their videos maybe we should put um, them on the list and do a whole episode of them at some point <laughs> that's actually a great idea um but uh there's a great video about um how to write a modern worship song um yeah it's just it just breaks every single modern worship song down to like mm -hmm. its bare essentials like use these chords use some lyrics from uh like amazing grace like it just like it just oh, completely I... destroys the entire industry it's so funny i have a whole i have a whole section of notes here on praise and worship music so good okay so keep, great. put a pin put a pin in that and we'll come back to Got it. it yep so uh i have a couple of uh i have a couple of different uh, tidbits on non-Christian religions and their use of music. So uh, I did a little bit of research into a couple of other religious systems that use uh, music for worship. Um, the ones that I looked into the most uh, were Islam and Judaism. Mm -hmm. um, so if uh, if you're maybe not aware, <laughs> um, singing through prayer is an extremely important part of daily prayer uh, in Islam. And uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a requirement for Muslims to uh, sing their daily prayers, but I, from my understanding, it's pretty common, mm -hmm. which I think is neat. Um, they have some really neat terms. Um, so Nasheed, uh, and I, I may not be pronouncing any of this correctly. I apologize. Uh, I forgot to do my pronunciation lookups. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nasheed is the name uh, specifically used to refer to uh, moral or religious songs that are sung in Islam. Um, mm -hmm. They're usually sung without accompaniment. Uh, sometimes uh, people add uh, percussion, like to add to the song. But apparently, there is uh, there is quite the debate over whether or not you can use instruments in religious Islamic music. Oh. Um, Stemming from an inter, it's it all boils down to how do you interpret or how how the different how the different sects of Islam interpret a quote by the Prophet Muhammad that was censuring. I think it was literally about like censuring instruments, hmm. as in like like do not use musical instruments. And some people have said, "Well, we're gonna." Uh, we don't think he was necessarily saying 
don't use them. Maybe just don't use them in this context. Right. And some sure. people have said, nope, we are going strictly acapella. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you know, I am a, I, I think music can be good either way. Sure, yeah. And also, I'm not, I'm absolutely not qualified to speak on that whatsoever. <laughs> um, in particular, uh, the, the Sufi sect of Islam uh, has a specific name for the music. Um, it's called either uh, uh, Dikr or Zikr. Again, I apologize for pronunciation. Um, and that kind of music is specifically devotional music, which is sung to praise Allah and his followers. Mm -hmm. uh, and in Sufism, uh, a lot of the times they will sing in public to, you know, bring joy to the people around them. Aww. Which I think is nice. Yeah, it's great. Um, and a lot of the times, the the words to religious music sung in Islam is pulled from either uh, traditional Muslim prayers or religious verses, probably from the Quran, I think. I didn't look up any, uh, I need to look up actually like, actually like uh, Islamic hymns so that I can have a reference point for that. But it's still interesting. Sure, yeah. Okay, so... In regards to music used uh, in Jewish religious practices, uh, actually, there there is a historical account of like music being of like how music was used to worship in the temple in Jerusalem before it got destroyed the first time. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and apparently uh, the temple included an orchestra, which included uh, twelve instruments that were played, and then a chorus of twelve male singers. <laughs> oh wow and again they did the kind of uh i think they did the kind of um like the cantor thing where they would all be singing and then the congregation maybe could respond but i still think it's interesting that they had specific they had like we have to have 12 different instruments being played and 12 male singers yeah interesting yeah because it shows like how important music was especially to uh early judaism sure yeah so after the uh, after the destruction of the temple and the Jewish exile um, across the Middle East, uh, since since Judaism had to be a lot more a lot more mobile and they didn't have they didn't have the temple anymore, um, right. they switched to the format of using a cantor who would sing who would you know sing the hymns and stuff or sing the sing the musical songs. Musical songs. That's how you can tell that I worked nine hours today. <laughs> um, the the cantor would generally be singing the songs, and then sometimes the congregation would repeat a line back. Sometimes they would sing it together, or sometimes the cantor would just be going solo. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, uh, some modern some music that is still used in the modern day in Jewish religious practices, they still ha use some melodies that were like. Written when the original temple was still standing. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, it sounds like they have generally abandoned uh, the use of instruments. A lot of the times, it's just one cantor. Sometimes with a bass. Sometimes adding in like a bass singer, sure. and sometimes adding in a descant. Which, uh, <laughs> for those of you that that uh, are not familiar with musical terms, um, a descant is. The part where you're listening to a song and then you hear like 
a higher part rising above the rest of the melody line. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's usually meant to, you know, just like either give extra emphasis to a line or phrase of music or just to sound pretty. <laughs> sure, yeah. Here are some fun vocab terms uh, of different genres of Jewish music, specifically Jewish religious music. Cool. Um, and again, my apologies for this pronunciation. Uh, I am a I am <laughs> I am a goyim who did not do her research. <laughs> um, piu, uh, piutim is the specific kind of music where it draws from liturgical poems and is sung in either Hebrew or Aramaic. Uh, Pismonim, which are traditional songs that praise God or quoting religious teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zemirot which are hymns that are sung, interestingly enough, in Hebrew, Aramaic, Yiddish, or Ladino, which I have to presume is probably uh, a Hebrew-based language with Spanish influences. Sure, yeah. Um, Bagashot, which are uh, songs that are just supplications and prayers, um, typically used by uh, Sephardic Jews. And, oh no, the... Autocorrect got the last... Oh, and uh, Nigun, thank you, Autocorrect, for returning that word to me, um, <laughs> which are actually religious songs that are sung without any kind of words. So it's just vocalizations, oh. but it's also usually sung in groups. Sure, yeah. And actually, uh, when it comes to the late, te- the late 1800s and the early 1900s, um, some Jewish composers uh, began per- uh, composing more contemporary works of Jewish praise music, which I think is neat. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, that wraps up my notes on other religions. How are you feeling? Any questions uh, before we go into the next the next bit I have here? <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm still feeling alright. Okay, so, if you're ready, I have a bit of history on praise and worship music, and then we can actually, like, talk about our experiences with it yeah absolutely let's go okay so the the genre of music that is referred to nowadays as praise and worship Mm -hmm. uh started back in the 1950s and 60s um it actually started with the uh taizé community in france um which was actually uh an ecumenical group in the sense of it uh this was a religious group that included catholics and protestants Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, they they tended to focus a lot more on meditation and like mm. contemplation, and also uh, you know like connecting with the youth of the world. Oh well, I mean those will seem like good things. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you if you've ever heard of uh, Taizé prayer, spelled T A I Z E, uh, it's a kind of prayer which is pretty much just um, you read a like reading a verse or a section from the Bible, and then doing meditation to visualize yourself as having been there to try and, and to, to try and get a deeper meaning out of it. Oh, yeah, sure. And a lot of the times it's accompanied with music. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, uh, after the Taizé community kind of began using uh, more contemporary music, um, various religious groups started trying to incorporate popular music into religious songs so that they could appeal to the youth and so <laughs> they were in touch and not outdated. That's... <laughs> it's yeah. funny because that, like, it 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 did work. Yeah. And 
Um, but it also <laughs> a lot of <laughs> not very, very bad music came out of that kind of yeah. mindset as well. A particular YouTube video comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> you need to send me that link so I can watch that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, interestingly enough, one of the first specifically Christian pop groups was called the Joy Strings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, kind of funky. They made their TV performance debut on probably like, you know, like a review show like the Lawrence Wilk show or whatever. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and they performed in Salvation Army uniforms. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, quote, praise and worship music as we know it today kind of uh, continued evolving from the 60s uh, up until the 90s, you know, kind of incorporating various elements of pop music, mm -hmm. trying to be relevant. Um, but the praise and worship boom didn't really happen until the 90s. Mm -hmm. Which is when a lot of modern day praise and worship standards were written. Sure, yeah. Nowadays, uh, a lot of praise and worship music is used in a more charismatic manner. Sure is. Charismatic in this sense means trying to encourage a dramatic religious encounter with God or dramatically displaying gifts of the Holy Spirit which come from God. Um, yes. It's a very theatrical religious tradition. Um, sure is. And was, uh, it was originally influenced by Pentecostalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but praise and worship music is also used in non-denominational Protestant services and in, and also Roman Catholic services. <laughs> the one time that Catholicism has... Uh, one of the times that Catholicism has gotten wholly on board with, the, with a modern-day contemporary invention. <laughs> Yeah, I for a little bit of context on at least my background, uh, my church is non-denominational non and charismatic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very theatrical would be a good good description. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Emma knows this already. Um, praise and worship services are generally pretty. Uh, they're they're generally pretty. Uh, I don't want to say low key, but I'll say informal. Um, yes. there's always, there's almost always some kind of a projector used to, so that they can like display the lyrics for yep. the, for the congregation or the attendees to sing along to. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. interestingly enough, like when it comes to the lyrics of a lot of praise and worship music, um, it's all, it's generally pretty informal, like in this, in the, the music is a lot of times about the singer's relationship with with god with mm -hmm. with whatever higher power um, for sure or and like w usually it's like what the singer wants out of the out of this connection or like what are your hopes for me oh god that kind of a thing yeah i especially so in my church especially um we use a lot of songs that are really conversational mm -hmm. and use like the worship time that we have at the beginning of services as a way to um start opening that like dialogue with god um because mm -hmm. uh my church and ones like mine believe that we can like hear god's voice so um mm -hmm. by like opening that uh dialogue during the sermon hypothetically you'll be able to like hear what God's trying to tell you and be more open-minded to what he might be teaching you this mm -hmm. today, this Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, some examples of praise and worship bands 
include uh, Bethel Music, Elevation Worship, Soul Survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a tongue twister. Uh, Chris Tomlin and Hillsong Worship. <laughs> yeah. And if you're unfamiliar, you've probably heard of what at least one of these three songs that I'm going to name off. Um, 10,000 Reasons, Bless <laughs> the Lord by Matt Redman. Um, Oceans by Hillsong. Oh. Oceans. And, I'll take that one. Okay. And Holy is the Lord by Chris Tomlin. Probably heard all of those. 10,000... Yeah. Yeah. Ten, <laughs> yeah. 10,000 Reasons is especially uh, is especially common. Especially... I remember in like, um, like 2012 or whatever, like everybody in our youth group didn't like that song just because it was played so often. And I even mm-hmm. think that there might be some like weird like biblical inaccuracies like in the lyrics like obviously they're all good lyrics but like i don't know some kind of anyway it doesn't matter i don't remember what it was but yeah yeah so um i'm gonna go through my questions in kind of a rough order sure um do you enjoy using music as a as like a form of prayer or does it enhance your your religious service when you are at a religious service, do you find that that improves the quality of your worship? Gosh, I sound like I'm taking a survey. (laughs) Yeah, I would say it does. I think, um, especially for young people and especially for people who, um, have not like grown up in the church or aren't like over 50 years old, maybe, um, music is a really easy way to, um, for me to like, again like start that dialogue with god and like be able to like instead of like focusing on the people around me and what the world is going on like have a more like personal um experience and just like time for a little bit so yeah music does help me like focus like that for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you I, uh, I, I definitely, I definitely enjoy using, uh, getting to have music in a religious service, um, mostly because I, mostly because at this point I'm so used to having it Mm -hmm. in religious services. Like even, even when I have been abroad and going to a Catholic mass, music is Mm -hmm. still involved and it, it, it does make you feel more like more welcome like okay i know oh for sure i know how this music goes um yeah like music is something that i can understand even yeah. if i don't understand the lyrics or i'm not like entering mm-hmm. into this like relationship or whatever like you can still interact and appreciate music oh yeah yeah there it's funny because there is kind of i guess an informal tradition among the catholic church which is um if you're having a morning mass like the service is starting at say seven or seven mm-hmm. thirty or even earlier, like six o'clock. Um, a lot of the times they don't use music, <laughs> so the like the priest will walk into the church in silence. Whatever music you would be singing will instead be spoken. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it it feels really weird the couple of times uh, yeah, that I I've can... had that happen. Wow. Yeah, that sounds odd. It's like, instead of singing, you know, like, glory to God in the highest, it's like, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. <laughs> so. Interesting. Yeah, it, uh, I definitely understand why, because no one wants to have to sing at 6am, 
but also God understands and no one else will care after you leave church. <laughs> for, yeah, for real. Um, so what do you think of the genre of praise and worship music? Um, I think a, some of my like most powerful spiritual experiences have been because of um, modern praise and worship music, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, like, I can't even count on my two hands the number of times, like, Oceans has made me have a breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, um, because of anything, like, that, that song's just, uh, really good. But, um, I also find it to be very repetitive and a little bit boring. Yeah. After the, after the first three times that you've repeated the chorus of Oceans, it gets old. <laughs> Yes, it does. Oceans is one of those things where, like, you'll, like, at least for me and for people I know, like, you listen to it, like, nonstop for, like, a day or two. And then, like, when you listen to it again, it starts getting kind of old. But if you give it, like, a year or, Mm -hmm. like, six months and then listen to it again, mind blown all over (laughs) again. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. But yeah, I do find most um, normal praise and worship music to be uh, all sounding the same and not very interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. See, uh, I'm here to present the the counter opinion. I'm not a big fan of... I, I enjoy the praise and worship music like on its own. Mm-hmm. Or if it's prayed, or if it's done in like a performed in a smaller venue, we'll say, yes. and it's not. I I'm not a big fan of like specifically praise and worship services. Sure, I I totally totally understand that. I'm someone who is most comfortable in ex- in experiencing and expressing my faith in moments that are not quite as theatrical as so much of praise and worship uh, is a lot of the time. Sure, yeah. I'm not. I, I'm not very cut out for for charismatic services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're definitely a lot, um, especially for people who uh, aren't accustomed to it. I mean, like I, I grew up with it, so I didn't even know any different kinds of churches existed for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, but I remember taking like a friend there, and she was very weirded out by the whole situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But no, I, and I completely agree. I definitely think, so like I used to go to like this, uh, youth conference with my youth group every year Mm -hmm. and, uh, they had a lot of, um, like praise and worship, uh, parts of the conference that we would go to, like pretty much between like every set or like the beginning and end of every day. Uh, and they were really good. And I, I, I got saved there. Like, you know, I, very important to me, but Mm -hmm. the, it, Especially once I started getting older, it's very, very produced and, like, it felt like I was at, like, a concert, which when Mm -hmm. I was first going, that was, like, super cool and fun to me. But as I, like, started getting older and um, realizing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, how exactly I, like, uh, go about practicing my religion and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. I really, really don't like the 
like all these like flashing lights and fog machines and like mm-hmm. like a rock it's, concert. It's too much. Yeah, it's it's too much of a production and a performance, and not mm-hmm. enough of like a, a heartfelt spiritual experience. Right, and I I honestly like I know a lot of people who uh love to like express their love for God in these like concerts and do yeah. use it as a performance and for God, that, which that's is awesome. valid. That's valid. Yeah. That's just, this is just our, th- these are our feelings. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I totally, there's totally a space for it. I've had great experiences at them, but mm-hmm. for a, like, like my, my church right now um, has been like slowly but surely pivoting to being more and more concert like uh, i think we definitely have fog machines installed now we don't use them every week but they do exist oh no um <laughs> uh and yeah it just it's hard for me to uh feel like i'm not performing when i'm like singing along and trying to have that like personal conversation with it when mm-hmm. you know like everybody's trying to sing the best and sound and the best and stay everyone's on beat everyone's doing the four point jesus clap you know <laughs> see we do the charismatic leg kick thing where you like i i can't do it because i'm on like the second floor it'll make so much noise but you just like and it's like a it's a dance that a lot of charismatic people do <laughs> okay <laughs> I've never heard of this, but I need to see an example at some point. Okay, I'll I'll do it not, for you not, eventually. Oh, I was gonna say you don't have to do it, but I need to know. I need to go like go look this up and see what the charismatic I, leg kick is. It, it must be a thing. It might be it's called something else. But like I remember once like doing it at at like a we're at a youth group once, mm-hmm. and like like as far as I knew, everybody who was there just made it up. But then like the youth leaders were like, "Oh, you guys found the charismatic leg kick thing, huh?" And we were like. Oh, is this a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the last question that I have for you is, yes. uh, what is your favorite song and or religious hymn or piece of music that is used in a religious setting? Like, what what slaps? <laughs> oh, you can have more than one answer. That's fine. Oh, I'm so bad with, like, the names of the songs. You so, can Google. I can cut it. <laughs> see there's what i'm thinking of but i only know that like my worship team starts it by like using maracas <laughs> that's all i know about it but it slaps ah oh, shoot what is it called um i mean for one that has a name i've mentioned oceans that's like the most basic song but mm-hmm. i have i have good connotations with it so i like it a lot um and yeah, there's this one, uh, my, uh, worship team, uh, and like I mentioned, they do, sometimes I think that they go a little overboard with the, uh, concert setting of it all, but, um, yeah. depends on who the worship leader is, but, um, sometimes it's just like really, really fun and like jovial and every, you can tell everyone's having a really good time. There's a great song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I remember what it is, I'll ask my dad or something, but if I remember yeah. what it is, um, I'll post it on the the Twitter, but it's uh, they start with like maracas and it gets really jazzy. Like we have this guy that plays trumpet on our like worship team, and it's mm-hmm. just like it's really really fun. Yeah, so those are my favorite ones. <laughs> that that reminded me that there's, I think it might be there's a Catholic hymn or a Catholic song called, I think it's called "Go Make a Difference." 
Mm-hmm. And I, I personally think of it as the Carmen Sandiego song. This is this is not the one that I'm going to pick for like my favorite, but like <laughs> the the refrain is like, "Go make a difference. We can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world." And it's and it's like it keeps going like that. And every time that I that it's sung at mass, <laughs> the congregation starts clapping, and I'm like, "Okay, I get it. This is Carmen Sandiego. We can stop." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have I have some favorite pieces of Catholic uh Catholic music that's used in services. Good. Um one of one of my favorites is uh is a piece that's called uh Tanto Mergo, which is um uh, obviously this is Catholic, it's gotta be Latin. <laughs> and I can read the the text of it uh in Latin. Uh, tantum ergo sacramentum venerimur cernui, et antiquum documentum novo cedat ritui, prestet fide supplementum sensum defectui, genitori genitoque, laus et jubilatio, salus honor virtus quoque, sit et benedictio, procedenti abutroque, comprar sit laudatio. Amen. And it's literally just the, it's the hymn that is sung when the Blessed Sacrament is being, uh, is being removed from adoration. And it's, it's just, it is really, it's really beautiful. And I have, I heard it sung a lot of times when I was in college and going to adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would always, the whole group of us would sing it a cappella, And it was, it was really beautiful. Um, and the other, the other service piece is actually also a cappella, um, but it's called the Exultet, and it's an extremely long, like we're talking like f- we're talking like at least five minute long piece that is sung by the deacon at the Easter at the Easter vigil service. Mm-hmm. So you know this thing is being sung at you know like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night by the deacon all acapella but it's just uh it's just you know praising jesus for returning to the world at easter sure yeah um such as this is the night of which it is written the night shall be as bright as day dazzling as the night for me and full of gladness nice <laughs> and which i think is pretty rad and also, I really love it because um, because my, my dad is a deacon in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really neat to get to hear him sing that every year. I'm oh, really hoping yeah. he's doing it again this year. Absolutely. <laughs> my other favorite hymn is uh, is Hail Holy Queen, uh, a.k.a. the song from Sister Act, because I'm basic, and also at some point we do have to talk about Sister Act. <laughs> yes, good. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, that's all I got. That's all she yeah. wrote. I did remember one um, song. And honestly, yeah, a lot shoot. of my favorite uh, worship songs have like one like phrase or like lyric that like I really, really like and the rest of it, whatever. But um, this is uh, To Our God by Bethel Music. My okay. taste in uh, praise in worship music is extremely basic because my church is extremely basic. That's okay. And it's taste. <laughs> but um, my favorite part of this song is um, uh, this part that says like, 
Chains have been broken, eyes have been opened, an army of dry bones is starting to rise, death is defeated, we are victorious, and you are alive. I just love the songs that um, Mm -hmm. are so, like, really powerful, like, calls to action, basically. Like, yes, we are an army and we're fighting for good. Like, I just, I like, I like songs like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I just remembered. (laughs) Remember how I talked about Hallelujah at the beginning? Yes. There is, in fact a nativity version of hallelujah that someone wrote to celebrate the the christian and maybe especially catholic nativity but just using the using the melody line of leonard cohen and i hope he's okay with that because it just kind of got assimilated into the music of catholic canon and i don't think it could be stopped (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) oof uh, and I remembered another one. I don't think that this. I don't think this one is technically written to be praise and worship music, but maybe it's borderline. It um, it's. Uh, I, I think I talked about it on our episode where we talked about. Um, oh, did we ever talk about that? We talked. Did we talk about Joan of Arc in any episode? Uh, no, we haven't yet. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm I think saving I'm, it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Of course. Um, I think I'm thinking of the episode of. Uh, <laughs> Wayward. Yeah, wayward that I did. Um, but it's a song called Victory by Dear Reader. Um, that sounds familiar. And, yes. And the uh, lyrics, it's a very short song. Let me look up the lyrics real quick. It's, yeah. Uh, it goes, uh, you pray to your God and I'll pray to mine. We'll see whose God is listening this time. You pray to your God and I'll pray to mine and we'll see who stands in the morning. And mm-hmm. it's. Um, just keeps going on like that. It's it's like a minute and a half, I think, but it's just this, this song about like, oh, I imagine it's like this army that's preparing to go to war and they're trusting in their God that he's going to, um, you know, give them the victory and like help them win if they're right um, or if they're meant to. And if they're wrong, they're just excited that they get to like finally go to heaven and like, you know, mm-hmm. that they're just very like strong in their faith. Uh in and about to like go into a fight and i i don't know i like it it's it's a nice one mm-hmm. so yeah uh like like i said that that's all she wrote oh uh, yeah absolutely uh if you have any um of like your favorite praise and worship songs of any kind um in any context uh please let us know send them to us on twitter or in an email or something and we'll listen to them and, and talk about them on another episode yeah definitely uh, I did check the email. We do not have any. Uh, we do not have any current new emails, but the inbox is always open if anyone wants to uh, send us stuff. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we enjoy talking to people. Clearly, because we do podcasts. <laughs> For sure. Oh man. Okay. So are we ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah. Do it. All right. Uh, As you all know, probably at this point, Faithful is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. Uh, We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pippa, any other place where podcasts are found. Our theme music is Start of Something Beautiful, courtesy of Ketza. Um, We can be reached, like we said, via email at faithfulpod at gmail.com or through our Twitter at faithfulpods. And, uh, you know, it's 2020. We're getting through it. We'd love to grow our audience some more. So any mm-hmm. if you are a regular listener or you see an episode you think that a friend or relative or anything like that would like, uh, please share it because that's really the only way that we get our word out there. Uh, and we super, super appreciate it. Uh, but 
Until next time. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Listen, wash your hands and stay home if you're sick. And also, keep the faith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonderful. My name is Emma. <laughs> this is not Wonderful. That's not our podcast. No, no. Why did I say that? That's so weird. Why would I say Hi, that? Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. <laughs> and I'm Rachel McElroy. <laughs> and we're not actually married. <laughs> if um, we were, Vigil would have some extremely strong things to say about that. <laughs> yeah.